Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we are really going to delve deep into that today. We're going to have so much fun talking with my guest. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Julia Sloan to our program today. Thanks, Deb. Welcome, welcome. Well, let me tell folks just a little bit about you. And it's it's funny because I ask for one paragraph when I ask for um, someone's bio. And then I looked at your one online. I'm like, holy schmoly, we need to talk a little bit more about you. So Dr. Julia Sloan is principal of Sloan International, a New York-based firm specializing in strategic thinking for leaders of businesses government, and international agencies operating in the markets of Asia, Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and North America. She received her doctorate in organizational leadership from Columbia University, where she now teaches strategic thinking. And, you know, um, aside from other things, you've won the Researcher in Residence uh, Fellowship. You've, you know, taught at various places. I mean, this is just going to be so much fun because you are a true scholar and an expert in this field. And the field I'm talking about is thinking strategically. So again, Julia, welcome. Thank you so much, Deb. It's a field, it's a field that I actually love working in. It's, it's, it sounds boring. Um, you know, the, the whole topic of strategic thinking really sounds boring and dreadful, but it is, it's anything but that when you start you know, kind of scraping beneath right, the surface. Right. So tell us, because we've probably all heard strategic thinking, and we probably go, uh, <laughs> or yeah, yeah whatever. I do that means, myself. Yeah, but that means we don't understand it. So tell us what your definition of strategic thinking is. Well, I'll tell you the short version is, it's so not what you think. Um, I make the differentiation in in my book, in my research, and in my practice. I differentiate strategic thinking from strategic planning, and I think that is a start point that um, is often overlooked. So I differentiate, and this this will sound academic on the surface here, I differentiate strategic thinking from strategic planning based on the types Mm -hmm. of underlying cognitions, the type of thinking that we actually need for strategic thinking and strategic planning. And actually, they're two very, very different, totally different cognitive clusters. So that's that's really the premise of the book. Um, And I find in real life, um, there's a tremendous amount of confusion around what strategic thinking is. Most everybody thinks strategic thinking is strategic planning and or strategic implementation. And I find even within the body of literature, business literature, there's a lot of Uh, clouding about strategic thinking strategy strategic planning and this is this confusion was actually the start point of my research where I thought I was working in strategy and I just thought you know what the heck is it I I just noticed there was such a huge gap between 
strategic planning and strategic implementation. Most strategic plans never actually reached implementation. Right. And I thought, my goodness, for the amount of time and resources that we put into strategy sessions, we're only getting a very, very small outcome. And what I what I found was the the reason for this gap is the absence of strategic thinking. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, okay, what is it, and how can I contribute to making, um, you know, to really making businesses succeed in terms of helping to reach implementation? Right. Well, and that's, you know, that is what we do. We do our market planning. We do our business plans, you know, all those various things. And we work really, really hard on them, maybe. And, you know, and then they sit on the shelf. Yes. And and we never look at them. We certainly never (laughs) update them, review them, even make sure, you know, because you put in there your goals and and all of those various things. And we never look at it. You know, did we meet our goals? If we didn't, why not? You know, all those various things. And and I think that is because we're not thinking strategically. We kind of moved on to the next thing. We went, okay, we've checked that off because all good business owners are told, hey, you have to do a business plan. You know, in some cases you do have to. You might have applied for loans or, you know, various things where they want to see something like that. But then we really do. We just put them on the shelf and or, you know, we don't even print them up from our computer and we never look at them again. And these should be living, breathing documents and, and right. part of that is that whole thinking strategically process. Well, you just you've just articulated so beautifully um, exactly the premise the premise of the book is this. I, I think very often because there's such a habitual pattern within organizations that people tend to have what I call you know their strategy season, which is right now from mm-hmm. a rough. September to December, people do exactly what you just described. Um, There's usually a handful of people that get involved in it. They go through it. They could do it in their sleep because it's such a rote process. It's also such a linear, rational process. And I think that this can often create an illusion of certainty. And this is where I say, you know, strategic planning, I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting we throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think there's a, a, a good place, a very good place for strategic planning. But I think when we look at the context in which we're all operating, regardless of startup companies, mid-sized companies, family-owned companies, large corporations, we're operating in a context, in an environment that is so unpredictable and so rapidly changing that we pe- people i think have intuited that a strategic plan is just simply not enough anymore strategic plans i think tend to work very well in an environment that's quite stable quite predictable but that's not the environment in which we're making strategy anymore so i think we what has not happened is that we haven't allowed ourselves to catch up with the kind of thinking that's needed. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of talk, a lot of even sometimes babble, where people are talking about, you know, we need to have an agile organization, we need agile thinkers, we need an agile team. And I think you get that if you have people who can think strategically as well as people who can plan. Mm-hmm. 
because they do use such different types of cognitions, just right. just completely different. Mm -hmm. So you will be teaching agility of thought if you focus on both of these rather than just on strategic planning. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think so many times when we do those plans, we weren't doing them strategically. We weren't, you know, it, it, and, and I say that because I've reviewed a lot of plans and or worked with people and I've said, now, why do you want to do this? Well, because I want to make money. Okay, that's not the reason. Um, you know, well, I have to have a website because everybody else has a website. I have to be on Facebook because everybody is on Facebook. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> None of those are good reasons to be doing it. And this is exactly the type of thinking, what I call, you know, the tip of your nose. They're, they're thinking one response out mm -hmm. to a question, um, which is, there's nothing strategic about that. And I think getting people to shift from that, you know, tip of your nose mindset mm -hmm. to being able to position yourself from a bird's eye view and taking a look at what is the broader context in which my decision or, or in which my, my problem mm -hmm. is being placed is just, it's an absolute critical type of thinking and a very, very missing kind of, of thinking that we tend to have. Mm -hmm. Well, now, I work with a lot of small business owners and, and entrepreneurs who are quite literally trying to make it through the month. You know? yes. And, yes. and so long-term planning for them is just, they, they can't even grasp it. And part of that is because, you know, as, as a small business owner, an entrepreneur, you're working, you know, 28 hours a day and, you know, nine days a week. And, you know, and, and, and so you don't stop to plan to strategize because you are just kind of, in many cases, hanging on by your fingernails. And when you get from month to month to month, you're kind of surprised <laughs> and, you know, hopefully pleasantly surprised. But how do you work with someone who is so caught up in doing what they do to even get them thinking more than a month out, thinking a year out, you know, to really be thinking about their business from a strategic perspective? You know, I think there's a lot of that that happens with small business owners. There's also an amazing amount of that that happens within business units, within large corporations mm -hmm. of how do I just get past this this week and how do we just get past this next month? And I think, you know, we've, we've also, I think, been brought up in an education system where we pretty much think from exam to exam, right. um, semester to semester, term to term. And I think within our culture, I think there's not been very much emphasis and certainly not very much value given to a longer term perspective. And I think that's one of the things that globalization is beginning to highlight is the absence of any kind of broader perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that's a good thing. It's a sobering thing. But I think when you look at some of the other cultures around the world, for example, in the Middle East, in Asia, people do tend to have a time horizon that's a little bit longer than what we have here. And I think planning itself, the, the incremental step-by-step -step 
you know, measurable metrics, analytical step-by-step planning tends to get short shrifted Mm -hmm. in those sorts of organizations where here they tend to get most of the attention. But what's missing here, I think, is taking that broad perspective and looking at economic variables, um, looking at historical variables, looking at cultural variables, religious variables, social variables. We just don't take the time to factor those things in. And I think sometimes those are the things that really do pull the rug out from under us when it's something long term. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the case for small businesses, uh, as well as as large corporations is we simply haven't been taught the value or we haven't learned the value of thinking a little bit more broadly and a little bit farther out. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you know, you, you we we see that happen with small businesses all the time but you talk about big businesses the one that immediately came to mind was Kodak you know they yeah. never ever thought that people would stop using film and yeah. it's funny because you know there are people now who have absolutely no idea that you actually had these little doohickeys that you put in the back of a camera you took pictures and then you sent that little doohickey off somewhere and you got back prints you know, yeah. and, and you got back prints of your feet and your thumb and you know, things that were fuzzy and all the, because, of course, it, you couldn't see it until it was actually printed up. But Kodak never stopped to think, even when it became clear that people were, were using digital, they were going to be printing at home, you know, all these various things, they never stopped to think what's next and, and how might we have to adapt and change in order to stay in business. And that's, I think that is such a beautiful example. And there are so many other businesses lined up right behind them that have almost the boat because they're not in the habit of looking at, at the broader sea, if you will. Um, I, I think everybody is concerned and people are rightly talking about, you know, disruption in every sort of industry the people are experiencing and talking about the disruption but i think there's been very little attention that has been given in, in terms of how do we see the broader perspective how can we begin to you know position ourselves to be able to see things more broadly and this is one of the things that i address in the book in a very unconventional way is is how do people actually learn to think strategically. So my emphasis is really on that learning piece of how do people actually learn to not only feel and experience the disruption, but to be able to see the whole sea, you know, what are the disruptors where, and, and to begin to anticipate that there's going to be more of this coming, not less. And so I've, I've really had a great, great time, really a fun time. And it's been fascinating to look at how do people who are successful strategists, how do they actually learn to do what they what they do so well? And it's certainly very, very different than what we're taught in business school right? or what we're taught in executive programs. Mm-hmm. So who do you think are great strategic thinkers? I think there are some fantastic strategic thinkers. And to be honest, I think... In small businesses, I think in companies, excuse me, a lot of the real strategic thinkers are people who are often not invited to strategy sessions. I think it's very very easy. And that has been a real surprising finding. And 
um, a kind of a, of a wake up call in terms of working with clients that a lot of strategic planners, really good planners, these analytical, rational, logical, linear thinkers are the people who do get invited to strategy sessions. And they do tend to be a small handful of people, usually with the same skill set, um, who have worked together for a long time over and over that's great for generating strategic plans kind of more of the same old same old same old same old but real strategic thinkers are very often fairly invisible um, within companies simply because we don't know what we're looking for and real strategic thinkers may not always be the most articulate people and because we like efficiency of thought Mm-hmm. more than depth of thought, we tend to kind of push them by the wayside. <clears throat> well, so- and if they're at, you know, I hate to say a lower position in the company, but I mean, that kind of is it, then they do get ignored. It's like, well, you know, we we can't pay attention to, say, the, the receptionist, who is the person who is really watching yep. everything that happens because she's a receptionist or he's a receptionist. Um, you know, and, and you're right. I mean, that person may be or the, the person who is most in tune with what people are saying, what they're doing. You know, yep. so this this could be the customer service people, your salespeople, all of those who, you know, you you're just like, hey, yeah, right they're, they, they That's them. You know, they're they're not in charge. Wow. Internally, I think even within large corporations, internally all the time, where we think, you know, why would we invite engineers, or why you know, why would we invite somebody in the creative, or why would we? It, we tend to really tend often isolate strategy sessions to people who come from strategic planning backgrounds, and that's that's great if your intent is strategic planning, but if your intent is truly strategic, thinking, one of the things that we need to do is really to reach out, like totally diversify who gets invited to these strategy sessions mm-hmm. because the focus of strategic thinking, I should probably mention this here early on, focus, <clears throat> the focus of strategic planning is on the solution, you know, mm-hmm. finding a solution right now ASAP. Mm-hmm. The focus of strategic thinking is really on the problem. Mm-hmm. So it, it requires pushing that pause button and saying, do we really have the real problem here? And do we have the right problem? And in order to test for that, we can't have the same eyes over and over and over again because there's nothing of value that comes to that. We're all seeing the same problem from the same frame. So I think once people are clear about what are the differences between strategic thinking and strategic planning, and they know that the intent of strategic thinking is all about the problem, Mm-hmm. They invite very different people. Right. <clears throat> well, and some of those people might be your customers, you know, or or yes. the people who did not buy from you, or you know maybe they bought once and never came back. You know, yep. all of those things. And and of course, people want to talk to those people. You know, oh, they they didn't like us. We don't want to know why they didn't like us. And but they're the people who are going to say we didn't like you because. Um, you know, and, and, and so they would be the people who would provide maybe the greatest input. 
Oh, the unhappy customers or or, or wannabe customers tend to provide the best questions. Mm -hmm. And that is a real key to strategic thinking is is the type of questioning and the level of questioning. and also, you know, new associates, somebody who is an intern, somebody who, you know, they can ask just incredibly bold questions right. and incredibly insightful questions simply because of the absence of experience. They haven't developed the same mindset um, that is habitually used within the, mm-hmm. the company. They just, it's just it's it's surprising it's a lot of fun it's shocking and it's so informative to run strategic thinking seminars because once you sort of force the issue of of really broadening and widening your net of who gets invited mm-hmm. it's it's striking for people to see what's not happening and what is happening within within the organization if they if they want to be able to position themselves on the the branch and take the bird's eye view, they've got to position the branches at various levels. Mm-hmm. And people people who people who have very different skill sets are going to be well positioned at different levels of, of the branch. So Well and of course the absolute <laughs> worst thing that you could hear is, well, that's the way we've always done it. Yeah, <laughs> all the time. I hear all the time. I hear, Julia, we really, really, really want you to come and work with us. We are so drop dead serious about we need an innovative strategy. At the same time, out of the other side of their mouth, they're saying, but actually, we don't want to do anything differently. And mm-hmm. right. I hear this all the time. Well, and and that's because doing it differently is very scary. You know, it might mean that you're changing personnel, you know, that you're changing a product, you know, all these various things. But, you know, I'm going to go back to Kodak. You know, there probably was somebody with their little hand up going, excuse me, excuse me, we need to think about digital. (laughs) And and the people were, no, no, we must still continue to produce film. And yes, you know, that it is still used. You know, there's there are some people, some photographers who who still do that. But, you know, they didn't want to stop to think we're going to have to completely retool everything we do, which is going to cost money and, you know, all these various things. And and so that poor little person that was going, hello, digital, you know, probably got shoved off into the corner or maybe out the door. Or, and this this very often, I'm glad you brought this up because this actually happens quite often to real strategic thinkers, is exactly what you described, where they do begin to articulate something that is different. They do begin to share something that they see as being quite different than what other people have been you know, saying it is. And eventually they're ignored and mm-hmm. kind of brushed aside, and very often they'll leave. And so it becomes, I think, strategic thinking has become um, a strategic competency within within Mm -hmm. companies. But a lot of that is in name only, because those people who really do dare to do what I call the two D's of strategic thinking, one is divergent thinking. And the other is the deep dive questioning. Those two things take tremendous courage Mm -hmm. on the part of leaders to a to invite people to do that and B, to model it. And I think there's, within any organization, divergent thinking and deep dive questioning take a lot of time. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So they're not exactly the most efficient of uh, thought processes, but they do yield depth of thought, which gets mm-hmm. at challenging fundamental assumptions of the way that we operate here, which is just what you've been talking about. And it also gets at challenging the premise of the very beliefs that have gotten us success in the past, which may in fact not be practices that are going to get us anywhere for tomorrow. But hearing those things and inviting those divergent thinking and deep dive those two d's that's that's largely a matter of courage when it comes to leadership and it's it's rare because people would prefer to go back to what they know revert right back to what they know which is efficiency of thought we have this meeting scheduled from nine o'clock to eleven o'clock it's going to end in a decision we'll take a decision we'll type it up we'll disseminate it and boom great we're done for this season right yeah And I would imagine that's why it's very helpful to have, you know, if you're maybe a smaller organization, your book, or if you're a larger organization, someone like you who can come in and really facilitate through that process. I was going to say expedite, and that's really not the case because <laughs> it's it, it can be a process that takes a long time. And and I think if somebody thinks, oh my gosh, we have to we have to rush it, well, they're going to miss things. So yeah. tell us a little bit about how you work with companies. I do I do a number of things. One is what I call learning labs, where we go out and we'll facilitate learning labs, which basically requires pushing the pause button, getting an organization, getting a company to really slow down so that they can actually spend the time thinking at a level that they need to think Mm -hmm. to be able to make a choice as to, you know, what direction do they want to take? Do they really want to embed strategic thinking within their organization, which is which is my pet area, or do they want to just simply know the difference on the surface and then say, this is too difficult, this is too hard, this takes too much time, let's just go back to what we've always been doing. So we do, we do a lot of learning labs, and they are, they're just an awfully lot of fun because every time they're slightly different. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we do require for learning labs is that a whole host of people are brought in, people who are not necessarily PhDs in, in strategic planning, people who don't necessarily have years right. <clears throat> years in strategic planning, but people from a real cross-section around the world, people from a real cross-section of age and, and um, functional area expertise, so that I, and what that what that kind of does as a kind of a sideline benefit is it really begins to showcase people that strategic thinking is not the domain of any functional area. Mm-hmm. And it's once that happens, it's just so eye opening. It's just so much fun. We laugh a lot. We have a lot of fun. Um, at the same time, the work itself is very sobering. Right. Well, and it is, you know, we've mentioned it's scary. And, you know, if you're a business owner or an executive, you're thinking, holy schmoly. And, you know, if you're the the person who doesn't normally get invited to something like that and you're invited, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, am I going to lose my job if I mention some of these things? And so it it is it's a complicated process. Yeah, it is. It's a very, very different, a very difficult and a very difficult um, and different process. Mm -hmm. And I think. Um, one of the things that I like to do is really sort of 
uh, quiz and probe quite a lot with senior leaders with the C-suite um, in terms of really, are they ready for this kind of thing? Because right. once you begin to embed strategic thinking in your organization, change happens so fast. It happens very quickly. It also tends to really change the culture of an organization because so many more people are involved at such a real level. And so I think people have to be ready for that. And people have to really be dropped dead serious about wanting um, an innovative strategy. Because it, it does change things. And I think there has to be the right mindset there in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, you, you talked about culture from a world perspective. It also is a culture shift in that company, you know, do you know, do does every employee have access to the C-level people? You know, is there, you know, can they mention things without, you know, any fear of retribution? You know, all these various things. You know, I've worked in companies before where I have been told, you can't talk to the president. And, of course, my first question was, why not? <laughs> I mean, you almost like, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize they were on a pedestal. Um, yeah. you know, and, and, and then, of course, that was like waving a red flag in front of me. I was going to do everything I could to go talk to that president. <laughs> um, you know, and, and 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 that's, you know, that's something that's never it's, uh, you know, I've never been intimidated or anything like that. But but it is it's a culture thing. You know, is your organization the type? And, and again, whether it's a one person, you know, do customers feel like they can tell you, hey, Julia, you know, maybe you should do this a little bit different. Or, hey, Richard Branson, maybe you should do this a little bit different, Um, you know, and and because if customers and all of your employees, your staff, whatever you call them, team members, you know, whatever that culture is, if they don't feel that they can go to the very top, then to me, that's a different problem. Um, you know, and, and and it is it's tricky because the person at the top or the people at the top are obviously very busy people. But, you know, if, if they don't take the time to hear from everybody, you know, then then I do think they have a problem. Yeah. And there are so many filters to filters to the kinds of questions that people are able to ask in, in every culture. And we learn that we learn that very, very quickly as to what kind of questions we're able to ask of each other, what kinds of questions we're able to ask of people who are senior to us, what kind of questions were we, we learn that very quickly. And strategic thinking really does break that down. Um it breaks it down, uh, particularly at the deeper level of questionings in terms of the why or the why not or the how else. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if people are not well-versed and if people don't understand the difference between a strategic plan and a strategic thinking process, um, they can inadvertently begin to shut down the very people who need to be heard from. Nice. Because the the higher you go in an organization, the more filters there are. And um, I, I just I think people have to be transparent about it. I think they have to be open about it. And once people or I find at least once people are given permission and they're given some sort of a process for um, and a purpose for asking these deep dive questions and for diverging an issue, things can become so playful. They can become just very playful. And that's where you get the innovative ideas. That's where you actually begin to trigger uh, change markers 
So I think there are all kinds of benefits to engaging people in strategic thinking process, but I think particularly senior leaders really have to commit to the courage that it takes to truly invite the the deep dive th- questioning and the divergent thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's funny, I've, I've mentioned numerous times on my show that one of my favorite television programs is The Big Bang Theory. And, you know, as we were talking about this, I was remembering one of the episodes where Sheldon was talking to the president of the university. And he said, you know, you haven't been paying attention to the things that I put in your suggestion box. And the president says, yes, you put up the suggestion box. <laughs> and, but that, you know, we, we, we laugh about that. But I mean, that really is indicative of what happens. You yeah. know, if, if the <laughs> leaders didn't put up the suggestion box and clearly, you know, Sheldon or, you know, the employees were thinking that, that you needed something, there's obviously a big mismatch, um, you know, and, and so, but, you know, and, and, and then of course, you know, we all know Sheldon goes overboard, but, you know, it's, it's something where if it's, as you said, if it's encouraged in the right way, you're not going to have the person that comes to, you know, the president of the, the business and says, we need different toilet paper. I mean, you know, the, they will start thinking strategically also because they don't want to impede the process. Yeah, it it really there are some really fun ways to approach it. I think the the first is getting that commitment and the, getting the commitment and taking the courage to making that you know that first step in terms of defining it, looking at what it is, looking at what it isn't. And then the second one is just getting people to try new habits of thought mm-hmm. and to to really practice new ways of thinking and to to have a little bit of fun with it. I think when people are having fun, um, first of all, it shuts down a lot of of their inhibitors about. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying new things. And secondly, I think it really begins to develop trust, which I think is huge if you're going to have any hope of implementing a strategy. People, A, have to know what it is they're supposed to be implementing, and B, it's so helpful if they have had some sort of an opportunity to give some input from where they stand in the company. Mm -hmm. And that's simple to talk about, but it's, it's a very, very scary thing if you're a, a C-suite leader. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, part of that is for those C-suite folks to get out and about in their company. Yes. Um, you know, I worked for a very large company. When I, when I worked for them, they were the seventh largest corporation in the world, big financial company. And the C-suite people were on their different floor, and they never came to the other floors. And when they did, people panicked. They're like, oh, my gosh, oh my gosh, why, why is he here? Why is he here? Oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? And, you know, and, and so then they had wanted, because, you know, this was kind of a culture thing. We were telling them, I was obviously in the communications department. We were saying, you need to get out and see your people. And so, of course, when they saw people freaking out, they didn't want to do it. You know, they, they immediately said, well, you know, they, they won't talk to us. They won't do that. And then it stopped. You know, and, and that was very sad because clearly what needed to happen was it needed to continue and people needed to know we're not here to fire you. We're not here looking for something that's wrong. We're just wandering through to say hi. Um, you know, and, and so it is it comes back to what we were saying before. It is the culture of letting people know that, you know, that those C-level folks are just like the people in the mailroom. 
Yes, yes. And and the everybody, everybody, <clears throat> everybody stands in a different place in an organization. And they see problems very, very differently depending on where they're standing. So it it's to, in everybody's strategic interest to tap into that, to say, you know, which branch of the tree are you sitting on? And what is what does the problem look like from where you're sitting? Nice. And to give people that opportunity real regularly, um, almost spontaneously, to, to provide those opportunities, <clears throat> excuse me here, to tap into what other people are seeing. What does it, because sometimes it's very hard to believe that the branch that you're sitting on and looking at the problem is part of the same tree that I'm sitting on a different branch looking at the problem from. And I think coming up with metaphors that can help people to understand exactly that can be very helpful in terms of um, reducing the threat of getting out there and talking to people. And I think also setting an expectation that, you know, of course, people all over the company are going to see things differently from what I see them. Just mm-hmm. setting that expectation is very different than, of course, people will trust that the way that I look at a problem is the way, mm-hmm. which is often the message that's sent out. And then when right. strategy, when a strategic plan gets handed down, people will often, very often, will react by saying, what is this? This doesn't make any sense from where I sit. This doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense at all. And then we drag our feet in terms of implementing it, right. which is which it, because it doesn't make any sense from where I sit and because nobody ever came to say, hey, you know, here's how things look from where I sit. Is this, is this the view that you're getting as well? Right. And then we wonder why that number of strategic planning to strategic implementation is so unbelievably low. Mm-hmm. Well, and not only might they drag their feet, they might sabotage it. Yeah. Um, you know, which of, of course would be the, the worst thing to happen. And, you know, and, and that's where it is so important to get buy-in. Now, are you going to get a hundred percent buy-in? No. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's that, even if you're, you know, if you've got just two people in your business, you're still going to have somebody that goes, yeah, wait, um, you know, and, yeah. and, but as long as they've been part of that discussion and understand why you made that decision, uh, you know, then they're much more likely to support it. Yeah. Totally. And, and it doesn't, you know, I, I, it doesn't mean that everybody has to be included in every single decision because with strategic thinking, we're not looking at decision making as we do in strategic planning. We're looking at just identifying and clarifying the problem. Right. And so that is something that, that can only happen when you really reach out because otherwise what happens, we zoom in on the little spot of the problem that we see so clearly. Mm-hmm. But without realizing that other people are zooming in on other spots of the problem, that would really behoove us and behoove the business if we if we did tap into it. Right. And those might actually be easier to fix to, yes. to you know get the whole problem resolved. Yeah. And it's it makes this, uh, you know, all the talk around agility of thought, it just makes agility of thought a real thing when you begin to have and and work towards a much more inclusive process. Mm-hmm. It just makes agility of thought so much easier because you are tapping into people who do think very, very differently and who are using very different types of cognition than people who are just taking a decision on something. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Well, you know, we're talking about your book, Learning to Think Strategically. And in your book, one of the things you talk about is the five essential attributes of successful strategic thinkers. Mm-hmm. So walk us through at least, you know, a couple of those essential attributes. Yeah, this this was a result of um, 12 years of research. And the results are are really, they're interesting. And I think once people kind of know what the five attributes of real strategic thinkers are, there are thousands of ways that they can go about beginning to strengthen them. So the first one is really having a good imagination. And I think this plays to the two Ds of strategic thinking, which is divergent thinking and deep dive. So really Mm -hmm. having a good imagination is is absolutely one of the five attributes. Um, having a broad perspective, this being able to zoom in and zoom out, um, being able to fly from one branch on the on the tree to another with ease. Again, that kind of goes to that agility of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, also, being able to see things part of a broad perspective is being able to see things in a broad perspective in what I call panoramic view. And one of the things that I do to to really strengthen this is very, very unconventional, but it works like a charm, is getting people to actually draw their panorama, to draw their problem, to really draw, take a pen and, and paper and to draw their problem. And it's it's absolutely fascinating to see how that can tend to strengthen divergent thinking and also deep dive questioning. It just takes away, it just completely removes that element of threat and possessiveness and fear that tends to come with strategic planning. So um, that that broad perspective is another thing. This ability to juggle, um, which means essentially paying attention to a lot of things that are incomplete, maybe inaccurate and constantly changing information, but just accepting that and kind of working with it rather than against it of knowing juggling is just part and parcel of strategic thinking. Um, Having an ability to deal with things over which you have no control is is also a, a huge attribute of strategic thinkers. And the the fifth attribute and last one is this desire to win, having a real conviction to drive strategy, a real competitive um, a conviction to win is, is the fifth attribute that mm-hmm. it can't be just something that you need to plan for because it's that time of the year again, that uh, a, you know, a strategy is about setting the direction and people who tend to be real strategic thinkers often have a hard time putting words around the direction that they see. So there's a strong visual component to this too that tends to come out when you, I always say, you know, it's a package of five attributes. You can't just parcel them out one at a time. So those are the five attributes. And like I said earlier, once people know these, there are literally thousands of things that people can do to develop the entire package. Well, speaking of that, you know, what do you do when you have someone who says, I- I'm not good at that, or even worse, I can't do that? How can they work to become strategic thinkers? I think there are a number of things. First of all, I think most people think of strategic thinking as still being strategic planning and they tend to think that they're not good at 
linear thinking. They're not good at metrics. They're not good at analytical, rational thinking. And I, I think when people get clarity around uh, what I call strategy triangle, strategic thinking uses very different thinking skills than strategic planning or strategic mm-hmm. implementation. On that triangle of strategy, there's a place for everybody. And I find people get a huge sense of relief when they're presented with what I call and and present as a strategy triangle. They can say, oh, I thought it was strategic planning and I've never been good at you know, coming up with metrics, or I've never been good at analytical thinking. And when they see the cluster of cognitions that support strategic thinking, they will often identify with that and say, oh my gosh, that's me. I am very intuitive, or I am a very creative person, or I am able to work in a very nonlinear fashion, not only being forced to do that, but I actually get a buzz out of it. People Mm -hmm. often have strengths of critical reflective processes, of critical inquiry, critical dialogue, critical reflection, that are their real strengths. Strategic thinking taps into that and really leverages that. So I find when people, I get that a lot, where people will say, well, I know I'm just no good at this. I know I'm not, you know, a strategic planner. And I'll say, well, let's, you know, let's have a look at the strategy triangle. Can you find one of these dots on the triangle? that you are good at they do immediately they identify mm-hmm. with one of those dots immediately well and and it, and i can imagine that people do kind of balk at this when they're thinking you know as you said it's you know they're they're thinking about strategic planning as opposed to strategic thinking and then you know and and you know the, it might be the business owner who is thinking you know i have to make it through this month so they they don't have their goals you know i i always like it when somebody says and where do you expect your business to be five years from now? And you get this deer in headlights look. You know, and, and so many people just will say, well, I still want to be in business. <laughs> you know? I mean, that, because they they can't get past that part. And some of it is because they're thinking, okay, well, does that mean that I have to have had these numbers? You know, do yes. this number of sales, this number of customers, you know, all those various things. And they get so bogged down in that that they don't see that big picture. They, they, they absolutely, I, I see this all the time <clears throat> because they're thinking strategic planning rather mm-hmm. than strategic thinking. They don't know that, you know, let's put, the, and this is not to diminish the importance of analytical thinking or of metrics or of numbers. Right. Because, that's, right. because you, you have to have all of it. You've got to have all of it. And that's an important piece, and it's a piece that needs to be, you know, consistently and regularly polished. But there's also a piece that uses, taps into, and that really uses the irrational mind, which is intuition, which is conceptual thinking, which is divergent thinking, which is the whole critical reflective um a piece of thinking, the symbolic, that real strong visual. And I think if you can pull people away from the linear, logical, rational piece and say, okay, let's just put that in a shoebox and put it aside and get them to practice zooming in and zooming out, looking at their problem within a much, much broader context, starting to play around with with social variables, economic variables, historical variables, That is something that takes people to a place in terms of imagining what could be. 
you know, what could be, how else could it, what else, especially when they engage other people in that process, you move right into those two Ds of divergent meaning and deep dive. And, you know, moving into getting people who have a very, very, very different background and a very different history than what you do and, and a very different perspective than you do, to ask you really deep dive questions about your current operating premise and about um, why, you, why, you, <clears throat> why you believe the things that you do that, that keep you spinning your tires. Mm-hmm. So... I I just think this idea of being able to see things in panoramic view, one of the very best things that you can do for people is to shut off and shut down their rational mind and get them moving, get them drawing their problem. It's it's just incredible how they'll relax and how they're able to project in into the future into new possibilities. And this so it really kind of pulls together from a lot of innovative thinking, um, as well as looking at systems thinking, and it kind of blends those. Mm-hmm. How do you work with the one person, you know, the, the entrepreneur, the small business owner, who really doesn't have that team, you know, may be very intuitive as opposed to um, strategic, you know, all these various things. How can you work with that person who they might need the most help of all, you know, because we've mentioned they might be thinking, oh, my gosh, I have to get through this month or, or all those things. So how can the, the one person develop and, and really become a strategic thinker? Uh, the thing that when I work, people will often call me and say whether they're startups or whether they're just, you know, small business owners, or whether they're people in the C-suite who don't want anybody to know, as they say, I don't want anybody to know that I really don't know what I'm doing around strategy. Can you come in and coach me? One of the first things that I have them do is actually come up with a a team of people, come up with a group of people that they may know or that they may not know. But the reason that I have them working in groups with other people is because strategic thinking, unlike strategic planning, strategic thinking is a social process you you can only diverge an issue and you can only deep dive an issue so far by yourself you need people who are going to push your boundaries people who are going to have very very different perspectives than you do to be able to ask those truly deep dive questions because we all have blind spots Right. And so I think if I feel that I'm doing people a disservice, if I go in and will work with them just one on one for very long, we need to involve people who think very differently from the get go, because strategic thinking truly is a social process. And you need people who have very contrarian life experiences, opinions, positions, perspectives, and what we than what you may hold in order to really get at those deep dive questions because you want to reach a point where you just say, huh, I just, I, I've just never even, that's never occurred to me. I've just, I can't even imagine that. That's mm-hmm. the point that you want people to go to. And, and none of us are able to do that by ourselves. Right. Well, and those other people, you know, we, we kind of call them the yabbits. They're going to say, yes, but, and, you know, and, you know, and, and, or what if we thought about doing it this way? And I love the fact that you can bring in, you know, that, that you encourage people. At, that and, it you know, a lot of times process. when people are in, mm-hmm. yes, 
Because I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people think that just because they're a one-person business or a three-person business or five-person business, that they think that's that's the only number of people that they can tap into. But it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Other people, neighbors, relatives, competitors, mm-hmm. people who work in other small businesses across the street. These are people that you can often pull in for two to three hours mm-hmm. and then reciprocate. And I find it develops a, a, a real strategic community. People who can, their, their sole purpose is to help you to diverge an issue and to deep dive an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, that will strengthen your ability to see things from a broad perspective. That will strengthen your ability and their ability to zoom in and to zoom out to various levels. Right. So I, I think getting people to understand very, very quickly that strategic thinking is a social process. It's not a solo process. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, one of the parts of that strategic thinking is sometimes when we hear those questions, our first response is no, or it can't be done that way. Yes. How do we turn that around? I do that by <laughs> I do that a couple of ways. I make a pretty big production in the beginning out of of definition, really defining on the the strategy triangle, really defining what is and what isn't strategic thinking and what mm-hmm. is and what isn't strategic planning, so that people know very clearly that strategic thinking. The intent of strategic thinking is not to solve a problem, but rather to focus on poking holes in the problem, to say, is this a real problem? Mm-hmm. And so I find when people, um, when people know that, they realize there's no point in saying, but we can't do that, or this won't work, or this isn't practical, because those are, that's about solutions, and we're not even talking about solutions. Mm-hmm. So really getting people to stay focused on poking holes in the problem. Um, this is where things, I think, become very playful very quickly. People have a lot of fun with it when people, like I said earlier, when people are having fun and can get playful around an issue, I find the defenses go down, the threats disappear, and the divergent thinking just just sails. And the deep dive questioning becomes so much more authentic and so much more real and so much more rigorous than um, if if you have people who are jostling back and forth between strategic planning, which is all about the solution and strategic thinking, which they're not quite sure of. So it's a very messy process. It's a very iterative process, very back and forth process, and I think I think there's a, a good bit of front end work that needs to happen there. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, a big part of this process is getting rid of you know, shall we call them the turf wars? Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's the no we the the no's the we can't do it that way. You know, all of those various things, and and of course it's. You know, that's that's part of this whole being afraid of change thing. You know, people are going to say, well, you can't do that. That's my area or my area can't do that or, you know, all these various things. And people need to remember that if the entire organization and again, whether it's one person or, you know, 10,000, if the entire organization succeeds, you will succeed also. Yes, that's right. That's absolutely right. Well, we've got just a couple minutes left. So just kind of overall in your career, what was the best advice that you ever received? Um, I think probably the best advice I've ever received was to get out there and try it. 
just to try and, you know, I've certainly made tons and tons of mistakes, but I think in making those mistakes, I've also learned not to be afraid of, mm-hmm. of the next step in, in exploring. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I've been having a great time talking with Dr. Julia Sloan. So tell us how they find you and find your book online. Um, Probably the easiest thing is just to go to www.sloaninternationalconsulting.com. And um, you can order the book from the publisher or you can contact me directly through my website. Great. So in closing, what do you want our, our listeners to remember? I think there are a couple of things. One is the difference between strategic thinking and strategic planning. They are just, they couldn't be more different when you take a look at the underlying thinking and cognitions that support the two. I think another is that strategic thinking is all about the problem. It's not about the solution. It's all about the problem. And I think probably lastly is that it is a very, very messy and a very iterative social process. So I think people need to be forewarned so that they can make a choice, a real choice, for the sake of the business as to whether or not they want to focus in any particular session on strategic thinking or strategic planning. And the truly innovative leaders are the ones who have the cognitive clusters nailed for both strategic thinking and strategic planning. Mm-hmm. Well, and and it is something that you can learn to do, you know, and because I sit here and I think, I'm not very strategic. And and it is hard for me to think, what do I want to be when I grow up? You know, those those type of things. But it's nice to know that I can learn how to actually do that. It is it is absolutely learnable. And thanks for for, you know, putting that right up here, because people often think, believe it or not, people often think that strategic thinking is something you're born with. And there's a very elitist myth around um, strategic thinking that's just simply false. I think people don't know what it is, and they confuse mm-hmm. it with strategic planning. And it's it's just what they're taught. And so right. I think when people know what it is, they know it's learnable. The question then is up to them as to whether or not they want to commit to the courage that it takes to actually learn it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's necessary, I think, if you're going to go very far in today's environment. Right. Well, and, you know, I, I have to admit, I haven't had the opportunity yet to read your book, which, again, is called Learning to Think Strategically. And now I can't wait, um, you know, because after talking to you and thinking about this and thinking, okay, I, because I'm not, I, I don't think of myself as a true strategic thinker, but I think that's because I have been confusing it with strategic planning. Mm-hmm. So I, I really am looking forward to reading your book. Thank you. I hope I hope you'll enjoy it, and I hope your listeners will enjoy it as well. And feel free to reach out to me if they have any questions at all. Great. Well, again, I have been talking with Dr. Julia Sloan, and she can be found at sloaninternationalconsulting.com. I am Deb Creer, and until next time, everyone have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.